It doesn't do any harm to those who got used to running things to be kicked in the pants and told not this time. Those who voted to remain in the EU have been appalled by the idea that the decision was taken by people that they don't ever see or speak to in places they don't ever go to, and they universally refer to them as too old, too poor, too stupid. What the referendum exposed is that post-2008, after the financial crisis, there were many issues that got swept under the carpet and still had not been dealt with, people in lower-income groups whose wages have not risen and in some cases have fallen, migration from countries in Eastern Europe driving wages down and damaging lives and communities. There's whole groups in society who feel that the people who got them into the mess never really faced up to it or paid a penance. The referendum exposed the perception that we're all in this together. Some people got away with it. I think what you're seeing in the United States with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton is a similar process. Because the referendum was such an important vote, people got very attached to the outcome. They'll move on. Things will settle. They already have. There are some still determined to put a stop to things, but amid the general public, there is recognition that a decision was made and now we need to get on with it. There is a more important issue that has come out of this, and that was not so apparent before. We need to do something about the level of inequality in this country. This is not about socialism or communism, but about making a kind of capitalism that also works for people at the bottom end of society. Nigel Farage is the former leader of the United Kingdom Independence Party, an anti-immigration political group that backed Brexit. After every election, whether it's a general election or a referendum, there is always going to potentially be a bit of a schism in society. What we're finding is that a lot of the Remain voters now accept the result and want the government to make the best job of it. I think the healing process has begun. In some ways, the election in the United States is more divisive than our referendum, and the differences are more stark. But the project fear that we saw used against Brexit is now exactly the same tool that is being used against Donald Trump. If Trump were to win, it would be for him to disprove the doubters by showing that he's not the kind of guy that would lead the U.S. into ridiculous foreign wars, and that he has a genuine agenda that will put the interests of the American people first. He will have to do that in the first 100 days, and if he does that, then there will be a consensus behind the fact that he won a democratic election. In the UK, we were told that Brexit would mean the economy would fall off a cliff, that every single sector would crash and burn. Instead, what we've seen this past summer is the best season for British hotels and restaurants for 20 years. I would suggest that's pretty good data to show that ordinary people are not panicking about this. Of course, there's things to sort, the relationship with the European Union and the rest of the world. There will be ups and downs, but the key issue is this. Is there anything to be scared of? No, not really. As Abraham Lincoln said, you can't please all the people all the time. And there are some people who would have been irreconcilable to the result whichever way it went. But now a very significant chunk of Remain voters are accepting the situation, are saying it was a democratic vote, are not asking for a second referendum, and are encouraged by the early signs of the economic benefits. Chapter 2. South Africa. Dealing with past injustices with honesty is the basis for moving forward. South Africa's long racially divided political history made a historic breakthrough when Nelson Mandela became the country's first black and democratically elected president in 1994, following the dissolution of the white minority-led apartheid state. Today, the country remains torn by a deep economic gulf between rich and poor. Many residents say the government's promise of better homes and jobs has not materialized amid high unemployment and corruption scandals. 
Meanwhile, the elite, made up of all races, are flaunting their wealth, and racial divides continue to exist, as was recently seen in headlines around the world after black pupils in the capital Pretoria accused their school of discrimination because they were forced to chemically straighten their hair. Mandela's party, the ruling African National Congress, ANC, dominated the country's politics for two decades, buoyed by its vital role in securing majority rule. But the tide turned in August, when it lost control of power for the first time in Johannesburg, the country's largest city, where the opposition Democratic Alliance prevailed in local elections. It was the worst loss ever for Mandela's party. One reason for the ANC setback is public anger that has mounted over President Jacob Zuma's involvement in various scandals since he came to power in 2009. One of the biggest controversies involves more than $20 million of taxpayers' money spent to remodel his private home in Nkandla, KwaZulu-Natal province.